trigger warning for this episode again because it has to do with the enslavement of African people and just all the horrible stuff that they had to do to survive in that situation in relation to our topic today. We're going to get into some dark territory with themes that are upsetting for multitudes of of reasons. And uh, it does have to do directly with resistance, but it is still sad. It's still sad. Yeah, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of ADD Storytelling, a podcast in which we explore the myths and stories of our time, the past, and the future, in no particular sequence and occasionally with less than perfect focus. My name is Tucker, and I'm joined, as always, by our diaphanous neurodivergent host, Maddie. How's it going? I'm good. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, how are you? Oh, just entirely flustered. Yeah, you seem a little flustered. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, 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 we've recorded this intro many times, but I think we got it that one. We're good. You don't have to tell people that we had to re-record it. That's okay, here we go. Curious, um, do you want to ask me the question you normally ask me, which is what yeah, we- yeah, yeah. What are we talking about today? <laughs> I'll ask that question. I'll, I'll keep this going. <laughs> Move us on to the next plot point. Ask me. Oh, <laughs> ask you what? Oh, what we're talking about today? Yeah, what is that? What is the topic that we're going to discuss today, Maddie? Give me a little insight. Okay, Open so, up your mind to me. So today we're talking about Anansi the Spider. Um, it's an Akan mythic being and cultural icon of Western Africa, the Caribbean, and the Americas. We're talking spiders? Yes. Creepy crawly spiders? Well, he, Anansi can change form and could be human also. So it's a human spider man. Oh, it's Spider-Man. Man of spider. It's Man-Spider? Man of Spider. Okay. Spider okay. of Man. No? Yeah? Are you active in any way? No. Ah. His normal form is Spider. Mm-hmm. Does he shoot? All right. Does um, Anansi, uh, does the web, do the webs come out? Anansi make, like, web shooters? Yeah, no idea. But, um, he's in many stories concerning the creation of all important celestial bodies and the collection and creation of all knowledge in the universe. Um, so he's a trickster, teaches wise lessons to the youth. Um, and Anansi is the Santi Chui word for spider. As with all folk characters from the oral tradition, there are numerous alternative spellings. So the most popular spelling in contemporary Jamaica is Anansi, A-N-A-N-S-I. I, and this is why I was bad at spelling B. Or but aren't you reading Anansi. It right now? Yeah. A N A N C Y. Okay. In West Africa it's A N A N S E or A N A accent grave in French. Um N S E is still used. This is fun. Let's try to spell other words without like looking at the page. Spell thoughtful for me. T H O U G H T F U L. That's awesome. Now give me one. E H. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so Anansi can be spelled A Nancy. Yeah. So it could be like a singular of Nancy. Yeah. So in the American, like the American? bastardized versions, there's like a lot of old Nancy. Yeah. Wait, what? My mom's name. But would you? You just said there's a lot of old Nancy. Old Nancy. Old Nancy. Like... I, I'm still entirely unclear about what you're saying. Well, it's like the... Nancy. <laughs> okay, so... Sources for today. Um, wilderutopia.com And most of it is from this book called um, A Nancy's Journey, A Story of Jamaican Cultural Resistance. By, and I'll refer to them as Marshall. Um, and then there's also marvelfandom.com and dcaufandom.com that both have a Nancy. Nancy. Really? 
Yeah, it's at the end. The Spider-Man fights Man-Spider? We'll get to that. Really? Okay. Okay. So, um, these days he's kind of a lovable trickster, but... A... Oh, no. But... Oh, no. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble focusing. It's okay. Do we want to, like, restart? No, I don't want to restart. I just want to keep going. Right. We'll just get in the flow ahead. of it. We'll plow ahead. It's been fine. Yeah. 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 It's fine. This I'll just fine. edit it. This is it. fine. No. no. There's no need to edit. Just let it roll. <laughs> We're good. Um, You're good. In some God, traditional... mesh is loud. It's really loud mesh. Wait, can we just get, like, a quick uh, a mic, mic check on Maddie's mesh shirt? It's like sandpaper. It's incredible. Now let's try my sandpapery beard on Maddie's mesh shirt. No, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> okay. So make sure you're facing towards the mic and talking at all times. Yeah, I've gotten some feedback that I've been unclear or quiet on the past episode, so we're trying to Yes, yeah, so you need that. to match the pitch that I'm at. Yeah, so I'm in my teacher projection voice, so you mm-hmm. have to also project. Okay. I'm going to try to like just hit this From your time. diary. From my diary? Diaphragm. Oh. Spell diaphragm. Out loud. D I A P H R A G M. I think that sounds right to me. I'm going to give it to you. Don't know. I'm, I apparently I won a spelling bee and I can't remember doing it. I only remember <laughs> losing a spelling bee. I don't remember winning, which you, is it, very typical of my anxiety. Did you win a spelling bee in a fugue state? I don't know what fugue state means. The one you like disassociate and have no memory of a sequence of events. It was on stage, so probably. Oh, yeah. Well, naturally. <laughs> most fugue states do occur on stage. That is true. Every time that I perform anything, I just kind of black out and I don't remember what happened. So, mm-hmm. like, if I have to give a speech or something, I just talk and I don't know how it went. Remember our wedding ceremony? I do remember that. That's good. But. <laughs> I don't, like, I was, like, shaking and, yeah. Well, fun segue, at our wedding ceremony, there was a Nancy. So back into it we go. Cool. Um, So in some traditional Asante tales, um, he's really cruel, antisocial, and shocking. These more lurid tales had a place in Asante society, and we'll go into that a little bit. Let's start with two tales that are the most well-known, so that we get a little feel for our spider. Yeah, just the base of the Uncle Ben story. Yeah, so the two most well-known stories are Anansi Gets the Sky God Stories. That's the title of it. And the second one is How It Came About That Wisdom Came Among the Tribe. Um, And these are both from the Marshall book, and she is sourcing... He, him, for Anansi a few times, is Anansi a male presenting trickster god. Or like Tom Hiddleston, are they more... Nancy is fluid. Oh. Um, All right. And later. I have a whole section, gender fluidity. No shit. There you go. (laughs) So, the two stories. Um, So, the first one, Anansi gets the Sky God stories. So, once there were no stories in the world. Kwaku Anansi was the spider. Sorry, I fucked that up already. Did you? Kwaku Anansi the spider once went to Nyan Konpon, the Sky God. In order to buy the Sky God's stories. The Sky God said, What makes you think you can buy them? The spider answered, I know I shall be able. Thereupon the Sky God said, Great and powerful towns like Kokofu, Bekwai, and Asumengya have come and they were unable to purchase them. And yet you, who are but a masterless man, you say you will be able. So whole towns attempted to buy these stories? Yeah. The spider said, What is the price of the stories? The Sky God said, They cannot be bought for anything except Onini the python, Osebo the leopard, Momatia the fairy, and fairy. Moboro the hornet. Fairies coming back. Fairies are back. Fuck. The spider said, I will bring some of all of these. Ooh. The Sky God said, Go and bring them then. Just fucking do it, yeah. Anansi set about capturing these. First he went to where the python lived and debated out loud whether python was really longer than the palm branch. Or not, as his wife, Aso, says. <laughs> Seems kind of like an arbitrary thing to debate. Is yeah. Is it important to the story? Whether or not Python is, is as long as a tree branch? Yes. And here, because Python overheard, and when Anansi explained the debate, agreed to lie among, along the palm branch. Because he cannot easily make himself completely straight, a true impression of his actual length Me is too. difficult to obtain, so Python agreed to be tied to the branch. 
when he was completely tied, Anansi took him to the um, sky god. So he tricked the snake, and then the snake tied himself to a stick, and then... Just to prove how long he was? Uh-huh. That's fun. It's like if someone was to say, like, Tiger, you're not fat bait, and I just, like, lounged in front of them. Like, in front of, <laughs> yeah, like, you lay down on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> check it out. I can stretch and lounge further than 5'8". Talk into the mic. <laughs> okay. To catch the leopard. Leopards are my favorite animal. I thought panthers were. No, no, of course. It's no leopard. Oh, no. And Nancy Cut dug a hole. Out. Okay, to catch the leopard. Your okay. favorite animal. Mm-hmm. And Nancy <laughs> dug a deep hole in the ground. When, the, when the leopard fell in the hole that Nancy... Uh, wait, there should be a comma here, but there isn't. When the leopard fell in the hole, Anansi offered to help him out with his webs. Once the leopard was out of the hole, he was bound in Anansi's webs and was carried away. To catch the hornets... Classic man-spider. Anansi filled the calabash with water and poured some over a banana leaf he held over his head, and some over the nest, calling out that it was raining. He suggested the hornets get into the empty calabash, and when they obliged, he quickly sealed the opening. Hey, it's raining! Get in this hole! It's a carrying... Get in the hole! It's all wet outside! To catch a fairy... <laughs> Love that like, date night, dateline show. He made a doll and covered it with sticky gum. Mm. He played the... He Big pla- Ahsoka energy. He placed the doll under the odom, as in the tree of life where fairies play, and put some yam in a bowl in front of it. When the fairy came and ate the yam, she thanked the doll, which of course did not reply. Annoyed at its bad manners, she struck it, first with one hand, then the other. The hand stuck, and Anansi captured her. Anansi held his captors and handed them over to Nyan, the sky god. Anansi's got, uh, it's going about this, like, Ash Ketchum, right? Very just tricky. Kind of, yeah, just tricky, uh, Pokemon master. Mm-hmm. The latter said, Kwaku Anansi, from today and going on forever, I present my sky to you, Kose. Kose, Kose. My blessing. My blessing, my blessing. I guess that's the translation. No more shall we call them the sky god stories, but we shall call them the spider stories. This is my story which I have related. If it be sweet, or if it not be sweet, take some elsewhere, and let some come back to me. Um, so that last line is kind of like a thing that in Asante culture they would say at the end of every Anansi tale to just kind of like qualify that it wasn't true oh so it's interesting it's kind of like how you know in the the time since Borat as it's known like we all say not when something is a joke or you mean not 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 (laughs) yeah like that sorry yeah thank you for correcting me it's not not it's yeah okay um and that story was edited by Jack Eat from the version in Wikipedia and the book African Folktales and Sculpture by P. Raffin and J. Sweeney. Um, the next story is How It Came About That Wisdom Came Among the Tribe by Rattray. I don't know. 1930. Oh, good. They say and that he swept up all knowledge, gathered it together in one spot, and placed it in a, gra- a gourd pot. Is it named Kwaku now? There's a different spider. Kwaku Nazi. Oh, that's his full name. I'm sorry. You mentioned that at the, at the up top. Yeah, it's one of his names. Um, he then declared that he would climb a tree and go and hang on to it, so that all wisdom on earth would be finished. So he took it up to go with it, and when he reached beneath the tree where he was going to hang, he took a string and tied it to the gourd and hung it in front of him, and he set himself to climb the tree. That's such an upsetting image. A spider, a spider in a tree. Just with a spider gourd. in a tree. Yeah, I mean, with the gourd is just a bonus on top of the shit cake that is this. He climbed and climbed and climbed in vain. He strove again. Again, he meant to climb and climb in vain. Now his son, Nitikuma, who was standing by, said, Oh, your eyes have surely died for shame. Would it not have been better if you had turned round the gourd and put it on your back? Then doubtless you would have been able to climb. He, the spider, said, Clear out, you and your old-fashioned sayings. Then he turned yeah, to climb you once... Yeah, you bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Then he turned to climb once more as before, but again, fruitlessly. Then he considered long and finally took the gourd and put it behind him. Yeah, it's fruitless because a gourd is a vegetable. 
Then he set himself to climb and mounted swiftly. Kra, kra, kra was the sound of his climbing. That sucks. And that sucks that the spider is so big that it's little tiny evil spider legs make a sound like ka 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 man spider man spider sorry yeah man spider he reached where the branches spread out from the stem and he said to himself i kwaku anansi by the lesser god afio i might well be dead my child who is so small so small so small there i was i collected all wisdom so i thought in one place yet some remained which even i do not perceive and lo my child this still sucking infant has shown it to me <clears throat> After this revelation, Anansi seizes the gourd and smashes it, scattering wisdom across the human world. That's great. This actually uh, reminds me, I have a spider and a gourd story. There was a time a couple months ago I was trying to do some yard work, and I went into our little like uh, sub-basement alcove mm-hmm. to get like a, a spade, we'll say. And uh, I was turning in or inside out one of the gardening gloves, and a very large spider came out of it. And so I exclaimed through the spade and uh, stood up very quickly thus cracking my gourd on the roof of the little basement alcove that's a little spider and gourd story for you we can all relate to Anansi (laughs) it sucked I almost passed out alright so now we're going to talk about my favorite thing which is gender fluidity gender fluidity tell me more about that as it relates to Anansi the man spider (laughs) not Peter Parker the spider man um, so Douglas, which is sourced by Marshall, yeah, um, had a really good quote, and I'm just going to read it directly. Okay. Um, so all social transition is perceived as dangerous. Uh, because their status is temporarily undefined, persons experiencing transition have no place in society. They exist in a liminal state. Mm-hmm. The dream state. Anansi fits this as a mediator and as a fluid creature in sexuality, gender, and identity, with no other explanation than it serves his purpose in that story. So he's a really changeable trick fella. Malleable shapeshifter mm-hmm. in a physical and kind of you know, conceptual manner, both at the same time. That's interesting, because... Dis- it is interesting. <laughs> In I have both, interest in this. In both the Asante culture and later Jamaica, um, there are really strict gender roles. And Anansi really? is seen as transcending and moving fluidly between genders. So in some tales, um, Anansi is referred to as she in both Jamaican and West African tales. In the Asante tale, how Speargrass came into the tribe, Anansi goes to the midden to menstruate. Um, what is a midden? I've been seeing this word a lot recently, and I have not uh, taken the very bare minimum amount of effort to look it up and define it. But it's midden spelled M-I-D-A-N. See there, I got the spell out loud. No, midden M-I-D-D-E-N. Oh, what's that? <laughs> I don't know what either of these things are then. A midden in Asante. Yeah. Um, as it relates to Asante, is like the in between space. Between the bush, which is like the forest mm. and stuff, and the village. Okay. So that liminal space between, for lack of a better word, like civilization and the wild? Yeah. Interesting. So Anansi goes to the mistrate, though he is clocked as a man at the beginning of the tale. So. Oh, that's wildly badass. Mind you, the I tale will. doesn't specifically admit he's menstruating, but he says, like, I'll eat this when I have my monthly periods, and then he stands in the area where women go to do that. It's just a heavy implication of menstruation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole tale. He just... That's he just, a, that's it a just solid ends. tale right there. That's a good... <laughs> it's a solid summary of that tale. And then in several Jamaican tales, um, Anansi changes his voice to sound feminine and dresses like a woman. So in House of Air, Anansi and Dora, Anansi and Fifi, in Tana's Fifi, Anansi dresses like a girl to enter a race at a fair. And then someone says, Dead little girl like lightning, exclaimed the crowd. Huh. Like a, a foot race. Okay, so or some that's other an race. interesting fair in which there's a foot race. Sir, I'm not really sure if it was a horse race or not. I need you to have the answers to these questions. I don't. I'm going to come at you with questions about the races they had at these fairs. Anansi assumes a weaker and more submissive feminine role in order to accomplish his goals. Could it have been a sack race? They have those at fairs. I, well, it would be moving like lightning in that case. Cool. Hmm. So this, person is used, this persona is used to subvert creatures and persons in power. And exemplify his cleverness. A sample from How Crab Got a Hard Back, 
which was collected by Sherlock. Here, Nancy. No, different. Okay. Here, Nancy is a master flatterer and outwits Crab by dressing up as a girl and polishing his ego. He shows his verbal manipulation and feminine guile here. So, this is what he's like. Oh, what a pretty gentleman, said Anansi in a voice like a girl's. You like me, girl? asked the crab. No girl had ever called him a pretty gentleman before. He was very pleased. You like me, girl? He repeated. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir, said Anansi, and smiled at crab, with, at crab more with her eyes than with her lips, like a girl. Oh. Interesting. Oh, I thought you were saying crowd. Crab. Got crab involved now? Yeah, like the creature. There's like, Anansi is usually in, in tales with other creatures. Okay, yeah, 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 like Doc Ock. That's the gender fluidity stuff. So that's, that's like great. Um, also it. exemplifying his other character traits. Like he's got him being clever, him outwitting someone. He doesn't really care how he does it. It's just any way to get whatever he wanted. So to understand Anansi, we must first understand a little bit about the Asante culture he sprang from. So big disclaimer here. I'm taking this all from the book that I read. And that's it. When was the book written? Oh, the Marshall book? Mm-hmm. Um, no, she's a, I think she's a modern feminist. Okay, that's, that's preferable. Yeah. To... This is like very, very brief summary. Okay. It's super brief. So the Santi kingdom formed at the end of the 1600s. They were a powerful kingdom that engulfed several smaller states to the north and in the forested areas of the Gold Coast, quote-unquote, of Africa. That's the uh, eastern coast, right? The one on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. Right side is east. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did very well with the initial colonization of Africa by oh. the British, exporting both enslaved people and gold, their excellent weaving and jewelry and other crafts. The Asante had a long history of keeping people enslaved and continued to do so into the late 19th century, being the main sellers of enslaved Africans on the Gold Coast. God damn. The kingdom covered most of modern-day Ghana. Ghana. Their trade with the Europeans was controlled by a middleman, the Fante people, on the coastal edges of the country. The Asante still reaped the benefits of this arrangement in wealth and status. Their empire was eventually directly thwarted, thwarted. 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 <laughs> by British colonialism, who constantly tried to weaken the kingdom, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Asante invaded Fante lands in 1806. And following their invasion, the British supported the Fante as allies through a series of wars between the two Akan factions. So um, both Asante and Fante people are, are Akan mm. as an ethnic group. That's the ethnic group, yeah. The British used the Fante-Asante wars as a pretext to finally invade the interior of the Gold Coast in the 1870s. So an action that resulted in the Fourth Anglo-Asante War. In 1900, the Asante were defeated, and the Asante Empire was annexed to the British Gold Coast colony. In 1957, the Gold Coast broke free from colonial rule and was renamed Ghana. That's the history, That's brief, good. super brief history um, of the kingdom as it relates to what we're talking about. Sure. So, um, the Asante were preoccupied with boundaries between the human world and, like, the human world as in culture, and the unknown world of spirits and unfound forces as in nature. Mm-hmm. Until the, the yeah, the bush. Until the end of the 19th century, the very geographical layout of their villages and towns reflected this preoccupation. No shit. So, obsessed with cleanliness, the Asante threw all quote-unquote unclean things into the midden. Around the campfire with you right now. The Asante believed that all human activities should take place in the village. No child should be conceived or born in the bush. To die in the bush was both horrifying and disgraceful. Yeah, it sucks. A place of chaotic, wild forces, full of spirits and superhuman beings who threatened humankind, the bush was an ultimate contrast to the carefully ordered Asante village. The intermediary midden zone that separated the town and the forest, the dwelling in the bush, was a symbolic as well as physically distinct zone. And that was quoted sort of by McLeod. I paraphrased it, but... Uh, So this great distinction that was geographical and symbolic, between the civilized human world and the jungle, not only influenced much of their art, but is integral to the of Anansi within the community of the Asante. So, like I was saying before, Anansi is kind of like the mediary, um, not only between... The gatekeeper between... The spaces, but between were considered binaries. 
Fringe areas of the village were also used for menstruating women, because, you know, you can't do that in the village. Super, God, no. super unclean and dangerous. Um, Keep that away. Thank you. That was actually what people believed, though, that it was Fuck. super unclean and dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. Why? I don't know. Maybe women can curse you with their blood. Well, that's just true, though. But, like, in this context, why is it dangerous? It doesn't say. It just says that it, that it was considered to be. Also, burial grounds and temples were there, and the latrines. Put your burial mound next to your latrine. That's just good city planning. And then beyond all of the intermediary, intermediary midden spaces was the jungle or the bush. And the bush and the village were like really strongly divided in cultural thought. 11 feet is probably that hole was that we used earlier. So, traditional religions are still practiced in Ghana today, alongside Christianity and Islam. Like many other West African religions, Asante religion is primarily based around the worship of spiritual forces that structure the world and the universe. Um, here's a quote. Um, it can be concluded that from the 17th century to the early 20th century, Nancy was tightly bound to Asante political, religious, and social life. He did not hold a divine or godlike status among the Asante, but his role was that of a mediator to men and women. And on a wider scale, a mediator between humankind and Nayami, the god of the sky. So, so could you say that Anansi is kind of like a messenger in a way, then? He's mean, a, among other things? Yeah, he's a messenger, um, and he is kind of like the friend to the divine. Okay, so he's like their provider <laughs> to their, uh, no. He's their, AC, he's their <laughs> Not what I cricket you to wireless. Say. Cricket wireless? Yeah. Okay. Because it's a bug. In all the stories, like I was saying before, um, Anansi, he has some stories where he's nice, but a lot of them he's, like, astonishingly savage. And he'll do, like, horrible Mm. stuff. He'll enslave his children. He'll beat his children. He'll give any shits, and he'll just do it to get what he wants to do. Could one say that these myths are a reflection of some uh, turmoil and anxieties being perpetuated in the culture from which they stand? Well, um... I can't feel like that. I'll go into it. So... Dig in there. Anansi's actions are antisocial and destructive, and his liminality lies in his ability to invert all the social rules that were really, really important. Well, he's a spider. Spiders tend to do that. Some examples. He can disconnect his own body parts. Yeah. Change his sex, mm-hmm. eat his own children, mm, abuse his guest, unashamedly ignore the truth and disregard Nayami the Sky God, okay. and basically do whatever he wants. Um, so the U.S. politician. Uh, it references the liminality in the Nazi tales that brought about the social unity by accepting darker forces which other societies might try to eradicate. Just like when Spear, uh, Peter Parker got the black Spider-Man suit and like came to terms with the symbiote. Well, you don't know that because we haven't watched the movie. I know that because I've read the comic books and I grew up. We're talking about the Venom storyline. Come on now. I am so surprised that I not did not see that you were going to be constantly bringing up Spider-Man in yeah, this. Yeah, how, how did you not I just didn't this? even... Yeah, it's I don't Spider-Man know, I didn't even clock it. I mean, Spider-Man is the messenger between my world and the fantasy realm. Basically, Anansi is this mediator between people and between the god. And so the way that you tell Anansi tales... Um, people could criticize others by renaming the characters and using Anansi as the intermediary in a conflict to let off steam. Okay. While Anansi is scheming and stealing and violating the rules, his neighbors are team players. They are planting crops, cooperating, and obeying. As Anansi threatens the sh- social order, the other characters in the tales uphold it, again reaffirming a faith in the structures of the Asante community. So... Furthermore, although Anansi tests Nayami's power and becomes the mediator between the people and the sky, Nayami's power is either unaffected or is strengthened by Anansi's challenges. Plus, even Anansi has to deal with Nayami to get what he wants. He has to go claim whatever it is or barter a service in exchange. So Anansi's kind of just like the the go-to villain in every moral story to kind of highlight the best ways in which society or the individuals should live their lives. Kind of like the swiper, no swiping. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he's the Green Goblin as well as the man's Peter Parker. So. (laughs) Okay. 
Um, so that's how... It, that's his origin. When does Uncle Ben die, though? <laughs> In the Asante culture. Um, so now we're moving on to Jamaica. Fuck yeah. In the book that we've been pulling from, Marshall argues that the Nazi story is proof that African culture survived in the Americas. And they say, um, through tracing a Nazi's journey, it is clear that the slave trade did not destroy African culture, but rather transmitted it to the Caribbean. Moreover, the argument maintained through that throughout is that while there are multiple ways of interpreting a Nazi, in times of conflict and oppression, a Nazi has the potential to inspire a combination of psychological and practical methods of survival and resistance. Marshall's book goes through kind of a longer academic history of slavery and plantation resistance and the history of Jamaica in relation to her thesis on a Nazi, which is like her whole book. But I'm just going to focus on the Nazi parts of that analysis. I highly recommend her book if you're interested in the broader historical picture of Jamaica. Super interesting. I'm not a historian or anything close. So this is definitely just cherry picked out of her thesis. Their thesis. <laughs> okay. So here's like a really, really, really brief part of colonization and such that relates to a Nazi. I'm sure it'll be lighthearted and fun. So, uh, no. No? It begins, the transatlantic slave trade... Oh, yeah, that's not, a, that's not how Babe opened. ...resulted in the largest forced migration of people in history, beginning in 1415 when the Portuguese captured Quetta... Quetta? Cuta? I'm not sure. C-E-U-T-A. They captured both free people and bartered for enslaved people in Africa. Mm. Other Euro European countries followed suit and eventually forcibly moved between 11 and 12 million African people from Africa between the 16th and 19th, 19th centuries. Every, people forget it starts with the Portuguese. Yeah. Not in a fun way. The first enforced migration of enslaved peoples to Jamaica. During the Spanish occupation of 1498 to 1655, were mainly of Akan Asante origin. The language and culture of this area are more homogeneous than any other slave trading areas. The Europeans called this group Coromanti. Um, that's spelled really weird. It looks like it's spelled phonetically. Yeah. Like the word Seattle. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not I'm trying to make it. I'm not trying to make it funny here. That looks like. Just white people's best try at spelling. Oh, it. like self Seattle, but then self is also English version because yeah. I don't speak indigenous languages. Exactly. Yeah. Got you. Um, for those of you who don't know, Seattle is named after an indigenous tribal leader, and we call them Chief Self in English, but I can't pronounce it in the real way. Cool. That's cool. So. Key elements of Jamaican enslaved culture can be traced directly to the Asante, tree words in the language of Jamaican enslaved peoples and Jamaican Creole, the continued use of Asante day names. So like when a kid is born on a certain day, a lot of kids, they like name their children after that a little bit. Tight. Like so, stones? Yeah, kind of. So day names such as Kwaku, like Kwaku Nazi, Wednesday born, Kofi, Friday born, and Kwasi, which is Sunday born born. Interesting. For enslaved children. Oh. Which. Damn. The, God damn it. Yeah, this is. We're talking about. We're talking about enslaved peoples. As Anansi is also of Akan origin, Anansi tales again transformed to become what is needed by the people who speak of him during his time. So, characters that represented the plantation master, white folks in power, and the overseers came into play um, as they're transmitted to Jamaica. So. The animals also became more local to the island rather than the African versions. So, like, rabbit, rat, dog, cat, cock is in, like, a chicken. Thank you. Thank you, Maddie. I would have roach. been so confused if you hadn't clarified right there. All came into play more than tiger and leopard and whatever. And what about rhino, vulture, scorpion, um, shit, four out of the Sinister Six? 
I guess the other ones aren't animals. It's Mysterio and Shocker. <laughs> You're talking about normal Spider-Man again? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, okay, comic book. Normal Spider-Man. I like that. Cool, okay. Normie Spider-Man. <laughs> Basic Spider-Man. In the same way that the Asante use Anansi tales to politely and subversively critique society and others, the enslaved people of the Jamaican popu- uh, sorry, Jamaican plantations used Anansi to reference taboo subjects that would otherwise put them in grave danger if spoken about openly. Oh, because of the trickster kind of uh, villainous element mm-hmm. incorporated? Okay. And then they were able to use characters like Drybone, Dryhead, Massa, Bakra, and other terms used to covertly discuss their white jailers and speak of their cruelty in a veiled and ambivalent way. It's funny they would call them Dryhead, though, because like, white people tend to sweat a fuckload. I think that means, like, bald. Bald head. Still, though, even if they're bald, that's going to be a wet, wet, wet bald head. They also gave direct techniques and situations where enslaved peoples could employ strategies for survival and resistance in the character of a Nazi. So in all the Nazi tales that feature Drybone, he consistently uses his power to coerce the weak through bullying, pain, and fear, as in Drybone does, not a Nazi. Yeah, the one's whitey. Hmm. He offers rewards, rewards that turn out to negate freedom. He holds his prisoners fast and does not let them go. He sets up surveillance systems to prevent their escape. Uh, Drybone is an abuser of power and a character through which cruel and authoritarian figures are criticized. Yeah. So a story example of that would be Nancy steals um, Bakra's sheep. In it, Nancy points out that Bakra has too many sheep. Like, every minute a sheep is born. And this justifies him killing some for himself. So Anansi is the poor black man stealing from the rich white boss in order to ensure its survival. Like New Zealand Robin Hood, <laughs> where the outnumbered people ten to one. Right. And uh, there's more than simply the drive to survive in Anansi's action. There's revenge in his behavior and anger in his words. And in, a hatred of sheep. In the story. His, Anansi's predominant character traits in Jamaica are those of lewdness, mm. slothfulness, uh, cunning, mm. deceit, and greed. Anansi came to symbolize aspirations for physical contact, a break from the relentless labor, and a desire for plentiful meals. Damn, that's sad as shit. He is obsessed with food, has a huge sexual appetite, and is exceptionally stubborn, showing an incredible persistence with his plans and schemes, and doing anything to get his own way. Anansi also sounds like the patron saint of, like, 2020 and being quarantined. A little bit. Also in these stories, Anansi has a high-pitched, wispy kind of voice. Um, give me a line from it can i you want to try so yeah you when the story comes around i'll give you a quote maybe hell yeah um so his lisping bungo talk quote unquote sorry what that's what it's i'm i'm reading a quote here yeah please so with his lisping quote unquote bungo talk i don't anansi came to both assume the quote unquote parodied features of the jamaican peasant I don't know if I want to do this voice anymore. And represent the ghost of the African slave past. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm Anansi speaks with the lisp. Eh, eh, eh. I heard an interesting interpretation of that from one of the professors at the university. Oh, I bet that sucked. Um, a spirit coming back from the dead who walks backwards. His voice is very eh, eh. Should be pointed out. Look. This whole thing is a quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then continuing this quote, this is like an analysis of his voice from the book. When we consider the Twi language, for example, there is no R sound. So it seems very likely that this feature is a relic, in, a relic of Africanism. Quote. End quote. Uh, so that's just, like, the kind of character. So he's tricky, and he has this, like, really interesting, high-pitched, lispy ghost voice, which is kind of interesting. Anansi could never have been a pirate. No, he definitely wasn't a pirate voice. No, certainly not person. a pirate voice. <laughs> um, just like Peter Parker. So, you ever heard Peter Parker say R? No, I haven't. Um, this last name does have a hard R in it. However, there is a significant difference in the purpose of tales in Jamaica versus the Asante purpose of Anansi tales. So Jamaican Anansi did not always uphold the social order of plantation life versus an Asante. His whole purpose was to uphold the social order by, by reinforcing, creating its contrast. Yeah, exactly. By reinforcing like what their kind of moral compass was. Yeah. Whereas in Jamaican culture, he was more of like a revolutionary right. uh, resistance figure, right? 
yeah, he actively disrupted that social order with the purpose of either dismantling it or making life more tolerable for the oppressed people there. Yeah, so the story of shifted and transmuted to fit and match the people that were... Needed them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one way that a Nazi depicts a, um, a survival-slash-resistance tactic is through the quote-unquote quashi role. Uh, this is symbolizing the European stereotype of the black man as a dumb, lumbering, and syncophantic figure. Um, I, t- I copied that word? I don't know what that means. Uh, However, in the tales, Anansi is far far from stupid and lumbering. For both Anansi and the enslaved people pretending to be quashi, such behavior gave them more scope for devising flan- plans against the system. Interesting. Um, or, as Creighton... Cratton puts it, uh, quote-unquote, tactical maneuvering. Guerrilla warfare. Psychologically. So, feigning intellectual inferiority would lower the planter's expectation of their enslaved people and invariably reduce suspicion and watchfulness, giving them room for resistance. So, so fucking awesome. And a Nancy tactic of play fool catch-wise. Uh, Nancy may play the smile and shuffle role with the white man, but he does so only when he has a trick up his sleeve. It really is kind of the spirit of a trickster tale. Yeah. So, it's pretty cool. So, Jamaica experienced more slave rebellions than any other island in the Caribbean because they had a high concentration of enslaved people, really large numbers of, like, directly taken African people, absentee odors, wild terrains, and a brutal, horrible plantain regiment. Um, So these rebellions didn't directly lead to Jamaican independence, like, a direct result, like an uprising, ended their enslavement. But, like, it basically shoved the quote-unquote emancipation um, forward for the British because it was, like, really inconvenient for them. The British, because of all these rebellions, basically thought it would be in their best interest to speed up emancipation. Okay. Yeah, but they still did it for, like, a really long time, so... I mean, to be honest, they're probably just getting, like, lazy. We really can't handle this anymore. We keep getting our ass repeatedly kicked. I, 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 I guess we... Should we just speed up freeing them? Treating I guess, them like I mean, human beings? I, it's just... I mean, I don't really want to. All right, I really... I need to get to tea. The government in Britain was yeah. still paying... Yeah. ...plantation owners who lost freed people yeah you're gonna have to up until like this century like they were paying <laughs> backpacks t- taxes yeah. for like yeah. literal benedict cumberbach lost, got his enslaved... money yeah we're gonna slider benedict cumberbach for no reason cumberbatch Cum- cumber benedict cumberbatch cumberbick benedict mr bandersnatch bimbers slimberback <laughs> The way that these rebellions happened were by using Anansi tactics. So, Marshall... Oh, rips. That's so cool. Did they, like, uh, tie people up and suck their innards out? Marshall coined the term um, Anansi tactics to describe Anansi-style approaches and actions used by maroons and enslaved rebels. Do they dress up like women and fool them and suck their innards out? <laughs> I mean, maybe some okay. women did they Did they dig 11-foot holes? Did they lay next to leaves and show how long they were? That was a stick. Ah, oh, fuck. But Tied himself that... to a branch. <clears throat> that was a snake. Shit. Python. Snake. Snake. Danger worm. <laughs> Noodle. Danger worm can be both. <laughs> this is my retelling of the story. Okay. Trickster worm. Um, so these Anansi tactics were often aimed at hitting um, Massa in his pocketbook, where it hurt, obviously. Yeah, I don't like that quote. That is a direct quote. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, they included lying, stealing, cheating, working slowly, self-mutilation, or setting fire to the fields before harvest time. So this is also kind of a continuation of that uh, that ploy to make the slave owners think that they were less like capable by like mishandling production equipment or fucking up the harvest. Yeah. So it didn't look like overt resistance. Yeah. That's so... Expressions of dis- dissatisfaction also took the form of direct acts of revenge, spitting or poisoning the master's food, um, and ultimate acts of self-protection and defiance, uh, or protection of kin, suicide, infanticide, and abortion, which is really sad. Jesus Christ. It's Maddie, really... once again, fucking trigger warning, that's hot. 
Oh, yeah, I'll put... Yeah, for fuck's sake. Here, let's take a minute and record that. Spiders. Interactions between enslaved people and their white masters, quote-unquote, were infused with a multicity of forms of duplicity and trickery. So, ambiguous folktales, riddles and proverbs, rude and scorning songs and jokes, and plantation gossip all created a space for psychological resistance to a dominant ideology. I will destroy you psychologically. The JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, right? Yeah. Um, in he addition, kicks the dog. Oh my god, he does. Yeah, we just started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, in addition, the guise in worship was frequently used to cloak illicit activity on the plantations. Uh, this is also a direct Anansi tale um, tactic. Um, in Anansi and Crab Country, that's the story title. Anansi pretends to be a preacher to quote unquote baptize crab in boiling water. And in How Monkey Manage Anansi. Um, and Nancy uses a fake funeral to lure his victims. Those are all the different things that people did to resist their horrific enslavement. The Maroons, a group of people who es- escaped slavery in the Jamaican plantations and continued to live a separate life in the mountains, often also use Anansi flavored techniques to resist and subvert the British. That's so wildly badass. I'm However, sorry. <laughs> They also agreed to treaties to capture and return enslaved people to the plantations if they came to their lands, which they did help enforce. Way less badass. Well, their political history is really complicated. I would imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. As there were factions... They're operating in the gray. Yeah, there were factions that also helped escapees. They were made from escaped enslavees. Yeah, not about to pass judgment on them. Um, In general... a lot of context. I am totally without... In general, we can say the Maroons were often in conflict with the British and were able to defeat and outmaneuver them multiple times. That's a plus. They also developed relationships with the plantations. That's a minus. Allowing them to have advanced communication and counterintelligence networks against the whites. Yeah, that's a- Here, This is a quote um, that is from Marshall, I believe. Uh, Maroons implemented verbal and Nazi tactics of boasting, lying, pleading, and persuading as well as becoming masters of disguise, spying, and subterfuge. Anansi uses the types of tactics employed by the tales, quote-unquote, Tracking Anansi, House of Air, told to Beckwith by Samin Falconer. Um, So in that tale, Tracking Anansi and House of Air, we see Anansi living in a high, hidden refuge from which he descends to steal from the people. It's like that spider that, like, will come down on a line to drop into your mouth when you're sleeping. Yeah, so he lives in a tree with his family, and then he comes down to burglarize people, and then they can't find where he lives because he's up in a tree. Even when pursued by his enemies, Tiger and Brother Takuma follow him and see where he sends down the rope and swings up whatever he can to provide for the family. Um, And in this tale, interestingly, Takuma is an adversary rather than a Nazi's son, which he does have, like, children and a wife, um, his wife's name was Aso, and he has a son named Tacoma, and then there were some other ones that are named. And his son is also supposed to be really clever. But sometimes, like, a better person, which is interesting. Better person than a Nazi? Yeah. Like, a more moral person. Even though they see where he sent down the rope to swing up the supplies, they can't ever catch him, so a Nazi is too clever. Thwip. The Baroons also stole enslaved folks and livestock from plantations for their own gain. That's a plus and a minus all at once. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's, wait, whoa, they steal enslaved people to free them? To become part of the Maroons. Okay. A so lot of enslaved people want to join the Maroons so that they are free, but then they're constantly still fighting. So. Yeah. so that's just a plus. So the Jamaican and Nazi tales highlight the usefulness of lying as a means of undermining the power of dominant groups. Yeah, lying can kick ass sometimes. And the diaries of white colonials reveal lying was indeed used as a subversive tool in Plantation Jamaica. I had to do this little tidbit because it reminded me of being a middle school teacher. And then also, this guy has the same last name as me, Lewis. Um, <laughs> and it's spelled exactly the same way, L-E-W-I-S. Lewis, right? Lewis. That's he, your name. Mm-hmm. He was a liberal sort of gentleman who inherited two plantations after his father's death. So he's super rich. Yeah. He was considered to be a quote-unquote soft touch for slavery and sympathetic to the abolition of slavery in British Parliament, but obviously not enough to free the people enslaved on his plantations. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, I mean, he's cool not... Cool effort, guy. He's not that great. I, I, got, I got these two plantations. I'm so not for what they do, but they make me some money. So yeah, he inherited kind of them. Literally, like, you didn't even have... You could just, literally just be like, okay, you're free now. Yeah, I got these <laughs> plantations here. I mean... He I, owned I, the plantations. I don't like the monetization of so human annoying. life, but I'm gonna just roll with it. I mean, so, it's not great. Yeah. But who am I to say what is and what isn't good? I, I'm not a part of Parliament. I'm just going to roll with this for a bit. No, don't give me that look. I'm not for it. Yeah, whatever. My um, name is Benedict Bumberbit. <laughs> and I'm just I, just... I just... I just... I just inherited these 30 plantations. Two plantations. Yeah, I mean, 28 minus two... Who knows how big they are. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spell, okay. spell plantation out loud, then. A uh, few people actually began the rumor when he was shipped out there that he was a soft judge. He's a soft judge. Have you heard about how soft this judge is? So we have his diaries of exploits of the enslaved people on his plantation. Um, he mentions how they would reopen old wounds and rub dirt in them. And like you do. That's, don't, you'll get an infection. Don't like, do that. I mean... Um, <laughs> my... F- hmm? And continually chat to passers-by to avoid work. He also reports that they not only stole, but also performed simple act, simple tasks ineffectively, after which he would find them, quote-unquote, sauntering along with their hands dangling. His penkeeper, quote-unquote, accidentally let the cattle out over his prized sugarcane fields until they were basically trampled. Not my sugarcane. And made no quick How movements. How am I supposed to make my toffees? <laughs> made no quick movements to corral them back in. You know I can't move quickly. I'm a sodden body dope. I'm not going to get over there to my poor sugar canes. I'm uh, going to stay right over here. No, he's talking about another person that did that. Yeah, well, we're very similar people. So he also asked another woman to close all the windows to keep an abundance of cats out of the house. Okay, hold um, up, hold up. Which she does do, but then neglects to mention or fix the broken window that they're leaping through. So they put a cat out, and then another would just jump right back in within a few minutes. So I, I, hysterical. I feel like we should have just done a whole episode on this specific moment uh lewis's journal is littered with evidence of these types of nazi tactics carried out by enslaved people it's probably also just littered with litter considering Um, all the cats that were walking on it you you feel me he seems completely at a loss for how to deal with it he says in his journal the attempt to make them correct a fault is fruitless i could do the same thing a second time in the same manner um, i can't remember my google password Uh, he's later bombarded with visits from enslaved people working on other plantations. Oh, oh, no. Stop visiting. Bombarding me with your visitations. Let's arrange a Google Meet. Yeah, and I then... I can't remember my password, though. Um... I guess I'll have to use Teams. Microsoft Outlook. Other enslaved people working on other plantations about the working conditions there, so he's listening to complaints. And the production oh. of work on his lands ends up falling dramatically over time. He's listening to the complaints department of his slaves? Um, enslaved peoples. And then also, he's listening to complaints from enslaved people from other plantations that come over to his place to complain about how crappy it is over there. And then he knows that all of these people are doing all these tactics, but he just doesn't seem to care enough to even do anything about it. Like, he doesn't use a lot of the harsh punishment that a lot of other plantation owners do, so he is actually a soft touch, which is interesting. So he is essentially the uh, the equivalent of the modern-day host a black square on Instagram type? Yeah, exactly. So, like, he... I'm a bit of a performative anti-racist. Like, because he said, oh, I'm sympathetic to abolition in yeah. Parliament, then when um the enslaved people spread this rumor that he's a soft touch they also kind of welcomed him as a quote-unquote liberator i'm also tired today (laughs) so they wanted to like basically treat him as like this benevolent ruler and like just get a lot of shit out of him and then he was like i want to be seen as a nice guy that's gonna release people from slavery and then not do it at all because i'm still a shitty white person god damn it people don't (laughs) change at all (laughs) it's like exactly there's my brain is Uh, What we covered before is essentially the research picture of Anansi in both the Santi culture and the Jamaican culture, um, and just like a longer continuum of his being. And of course, everything that's of any significance is in comic books, and both Marvel and DC have an Anansi version. 
so it's actually tying back to your constant Spider-Man jokes. I have not mentioned Which we will talk about first, because I know that you really, really love Spider-Man. From the Marvel database. Kwaku Nancy, Nancy, he's like literally, that's what he's called. The spider god. A dot Nancy. I like that. That alias is good. A Um, A Nancy. The spider. Nancy. Lesser and T. Lee's name. And Great Weaver. I don't like Nancy. In the comic books, he is part of the West African gods. He's the council of god heads. Yeah, dangerous. Why? I don't know. Maybe women can curse you with their blood. Possibly legitimate. He has relatives and other things. And he's married. (gasps) He's from Spider Island? He's from... Also, burial grounds in... And he's from Vodou. Living status is alive. Put your burial mound next to the train. That's just good city planning. And then beyond all of the... Yep. Made by Tom DeFalco. Extensively self-advocated. Right. Was the... In the Marvel comics, Anansi is the one of the Vodou, a race of extra-dimensional beings still worshipped as gods by the tribes of Africa and practitioners of... So, traditional religions are still practiced in Ghana today. Alongside Anansi was the first Spider-Man, using spider powers to traverse Africa and see all there was to see. It also says in here he struck a bargain with the sky god Naomi. Oh, like, shit. Literally, they're just driving it straight from the tail. Oh, God. Offering his eternal service in return for enlightenment and vanished from the mortal world. And his power and knowledge transmitted to spiders everywhere across a great web. <laughs> Wait, so did he create the radioactive spider? Oh, yeah, 100%. What? Anansi's temple in Ghana was used by Spider-Man. What? Men and women. And on a wider scale a mediator between humankind and Nayami, the god of the sky. So so could you say that Anansi is kind of like a messenger in a way, then? He's know, a, among other things? Yeah, he's a messenger, um, and he is kind of like the... the to the divine. Okay, so he's like their provider. <laughs> to their... Uh, no. He's their, AT, he's their <laughs> Not cricket what I expected wireless... To say. <laughs> what other stories do you tell at a bar? I guess other people's. Yeah. In all the stories, like I was saying before. The once Russian a, witch? Hercules later helped Nancy to sneak into Arachne's apartment. So Arachne, the Greek goddess, apparently. That's kind of on the nose. Um, the, to steal a tapestry. Once outside, Nancy would give Andy shits and the tapestry, but spared Nancy's life, even though Baba Yaga told her to kill him. Okay, this is a, just a fever dream of characters from across all folklore. Indeed, yeah. Um, he's got seven intelligence, which is two <laughs> more than five. Apparently five's wait, the wait, highest. Wait, wait, wait. We need has... to make this a bit. Let's go to the Anansi power grid. Okay, so he has... Coming a... in with intelligence level. So it's a scale from one to five, and he has seven. Yes, that so, makes intelligence with cotton. Some examples: he can disconnect his own body parts, yeah. change his sex, mm-hmm. eat his own children, mm, abuse his guests. Anansi is also the name of the arachnoid race that was part of the originators, a group of species that inhabited Wakanda before humans and was expelled by the humans and the gods of Wakanda. There is no relationship between Kwaku. And- uh, it references the liminality in the Anansi tales that brought about the social unity by accepting darker forces, which other societies might try to eradicate. Just like when Peter, uh, Peter Parker got the black Spider-Man suit and like came to terms with the symbiote. Well, you don't know that because we haven't watched the movie. I know that because I've read the comic books and I grew up. We're talking about the... All right, and the DC version is infinitely more exciting to me because it has to do with Static Shock, which was my favorite show when I was like eight or yeah, something. Yeah, and this one was, uh, this is the Snyder Cut, right? Of Anansi? <laughs> yeah. Snyder might be involved. Okay, so basically Anansi is this mediator between people... And between the god. Well, there's like a middle American city that it's based off of that's named something. And um, Static Shock is like this young person named Virgil Hawkins. Dakota City. Okay. Well, Anansi is ski- And it, they, ha- they have like a relation to Gotham and whatever. But... Dakota City analog. So Virgil Hawkins gets his powers by being exposed to a radioactive toxin. Well, I actually think it's like a chemical waste toxin. And they're just, like, basically transporting these toxins into the, the poorer part of Dakota City. So all of these, like, street, street gang and, like, people in poverty get hit by this gas explosion and get superpowers. But some people are also, like, horrifically transformed into, like, 
harpy people or like mole people or like lizard people just like mutated into unhuman like things so they can't even reintegrate back in society but virgil is lucky enough that he still just looks like a yeah. Yeah. Yes, but Maddie, what is the name they give these uh these individuals that were transformed, Peter Parker? So. <laughs> Which is very like early two thousands slang, and it is very early two thousands uh, slang. When does Uncle Ben die though? <laughs> In the Asante culture. Um. So now we're moving on to Jamaica. Fuck yeah. Feel about how going to the cops is a good thing, and like I raised you to like respect police and authority and blah 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 and like the chief police in the city is black and i think so is the mayor um so like there's this weird conflict between that those two things so nazi the spider is a superhero in the show static shock and it's starts in this episode where static i think actually ghana he goes to ghana with family and he meets a nazi the spider as a superhero his rival is Osebo the Leopard, which is, like, from the original tales. Maddie's favorite. Yeah. So they have this whole adventure, and Anansi the Spider's superhero powers in DC are, like, interesting. He's an illusionist. Um, He can, like, cling upside down to things. So, like, Static rides on, like, a kind of, like, a disc that he powers through static electricity, like, levitation, and then Anansi is just, like, like, stuck to the bottom of it, and it's, like, they're flying which is interesting so question hmm. uh i know you are a huge fan person of static shock yes were you inspired to do this episode because of static shock be honest that was one of the reasons why i picked okay, it yeah but i did know i wanted to do a nancy the spider um because it's a big folklore thing and i thought that would be an exciting connection yeah yeah you're because... not you're, you're kind of giving off big nancy energy right now you trickster no, that's not true. I, I wanted to do it because it has a huge folklore presence, and that's really interesting. So. Absolutely. I'm just messing with you, but it's really I, I do really like it. Are, um, there, are there rumors, speaking of which, just because I can't help it, bring it up. There, are there rumors going, I know there's rumors that there's going to be a Static Shock movie. Do we know who's slated to play him? I don't even want to know until it happens. Okay. And it's I, Timothy I, Chalamet. They better do a whole, like, Black Owen production like they did with Black Panther. They're going to fuck it up. And DC better not mess up Static oh, Shock. I'm going to be so, so mad. She's so livid. I'm <laughs> very She's the guns aglow. <sighs> I, my hand pointing. Lord. Yeah, yeah she's, I was, she's more gestural than she's been all episode. I, this very, might be a good time to wind it down. They really better not mess it up. Okay. All right, we're elevated, but let's bring it back into home. So another time that. Oh, there's still more. Yes, so there's okay. multiple episodes that Anansi is in. I think there's three episodes where Anansi is part of Static Shock's thing. And but anything more about him? Well, the characters that show up in this one are, again, the leopard. Um, they're after the spider emblem that gives Anansi his power. And Onini, which is like a big snake thing, is also a part of it. She just wants to talk. Onini the serpent and... Moboro the Hornet were part of the story of both Anansi and Osebo in the Western African folklore. So that's from back from to the original yeah, that, thing at the beginning. That first, the first that story. Back in. So uh, that's cool. Question. Yeah. Is Anansi in Static Shock what you would call a bang baby? No, he's a, he's a folklore God. hero. He's like a hero in Africa. So they go to Africa, Anansi is there. And yeah, then he comes Nancy... later to Dakota as, like, chasing the relic. Yeah, but was a Nazi created by... He's from Africa, and but so you don't he have lived to be in... from America to be a bang baby, do you? The, the, the bang in Static Shock was, like, a direct chemical explosion that happened in a lower-income part of Dakota City in America, and you had to be in the blast site to be, like, polluted from the gas. And a Nazi is an African superhero that lives in Africa. And was in Africa the whole time until he comes to help Static find this relic. And that's it. So he's not a Bang Baby. You just wanted to say Bang Baby. Basically, that's the two Anansi versions um, in both DC and Marvel. And modern retellings are directly taken from the tales, so that's really cool. So these tales are continuing to evolve in modern... um, Folklore, fantasy, Yeah, like... Literally, they, they can... like, they're publishing still Anansi stories now. Um, and... Because it lives on, yeah. Um, 
if you if you want to contact us for any reason, so to give us some extra tales, um, favorite Nazi tales would be cool if you have one or you know one from yeah. your family or that you've heard. Um, you could send us ghost stories from any situation. I want to do a collection of ghost stories. You could send us... Or even tales of, like, resistance as they relate to, like, folklore. Like, analogous to the tale we just discussed today. Yeah. We want to hear it. Or anything else, if you have feedback, I probably won't cry that much. Or corrections. Um, Maybe we'll get enough to do a little mini episode where we say all the things that we learned from our our viewers. We'll definitely hold off on the corrections episode until I've done mine. (laughs) Because, (laughs) goddamn. That's going to be chock-a-block full of them. So, yeah. Um, Please send all things email to... ADDStoryTeller. Teller, E-R, at gmail.com. If you would like to be a sponsor, please contact us, and we'll put you in our sponsorship situation. Because right now we only have the ads from Anchor. So Mm. we could use some ads. Also, if you're our friends and you want us to do something... For you, some advertisement, we'll do that. Also, if anyone wants to make, like, fan art or art relating to a topic, anything like that... We'd love I to w- feature it. Yeah, I'll throw that shit up everywhere that we're posting right now, so... Thank please. you so much for continued viewership. Um, thanks to all our friends. I love you. You smell good. Thanks for joining us by the fire. This I've been Tucker been, Morrison. Yeah, ADD Storytelling. Yeah, we can't even focus enough to close this out. <laughs> good night. Bye.